0: Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, part of the Edge Sports family. It's Tuesday entering the week 11 games, and so this is the waiver wire episode. I'm going to go team by team to give you my favorite pickups for both shallow and deep leagues. If you're interested in recommended fab bids, check out my article on footballoutsiders.com. But for now, let's jump back to last Thursday's game between the Chargers and Raiders. The most striking performance of this game was probably for Phillip Rivers, just 17 of 31 for 207 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Was pretty off target for most of the night. I looked up his DVOA splits and such, and Rivers has actually been pretty okay for most of the season, 7.9% DVOA. That's down from 26.1% and 27.2% in the previous two seasons, but Rivers has had DVOAs worse than 7.9% in 2016, 2015, and 2012 so far this decade. So not that unusual. I'm curious whether maybe with the age, having the short week may have influenced Rivers' bad day, but it's also possible that he just had a bad day. So I'm not going to read too much into it. I think you're okay to rely on Rivers the rest of the season as you normally would in fantasy. At running back Melvin Gordon, he's actually been trending in in a much better direction Uh, since he came back in week 5 to week 10. Here is DVOA splits by game. Negative 32.5%, negative 51.4%, negative 93.1%, but then the turnaround. Plus 7.4%, plus 15.2%, and plus 32.9% this last week. He had 22 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Had a lot more work than Austin Eckler, although both players scored. So I think Gordon has kind of rebounded to his previous career status. It's probably just a slow start to the season, influenced by his holdout. So I think you can probably trust him as a running back, too, for the rest of the season. Although that said, he is not getting the same workloads that he got in years past because Eckler is still heavily involved in the offense, in particular in the passing offense. For the Raiders, not too much has changed here, but I'll mention again, Zay Jones, just one catch uh, for 10 yards on three targets. But again, Jones played 67% of the offensive snaps versus just 53% for Hunter Renfro. Renfro's getting kind of a part-time split because as a slot receiver, he's not on the field for all of their different offensive sets. but. It's kind of a thing where it's hard to trust any of these guys outside of the the primary options of Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams right now. So probably don't want to own those guys in your shallower formats. Renfro may be an option for you in your deeper PPR formats. Next up, we have the Lions at Bears. Matthew Stafford, he was a late scratch in Week 10 because of intensifying pain from broken bones in his back. Obviously sounds really bad. I've seen a lot of mixed reports about this. Originally, it was suggested that he broke these bones in 2018 originally, but in a statement that he released, or I guess maybe during a media conference on on Monday, Stafford said this is a different injury than the back injury he had last season. So it's I'm still a little unclear about where the broken bones are and, and how serious a problem this actually is. He's currently considered week to week, so I think it's pretty likely that he'll miss another game here. Uh, Jeff Driscoll wasn't terrible in his uh, absence there, 27-46 for 269, one passing touchdown, one interception, but also five for 37 on the ground. Driscoll is actually six foot four and 235 pounds and, and fairly mobile. He has two rushing touchdowns on 25 career carries and ran for 14 touchdowns despite just a 3.1 yards per carry average in college. So I sort of read Driscoll as sort of the poor man's Josh Allen, where when he gets near the end zone, he may be an option to score touchdowns for the Lions. Uh, and that may boost his fantasy value a little bit if he ends up playing a couple of weeks and you want to end up using him in your deeper formats. But For the most part, I'm not too excited, and I think it's probably going to be a substantial downgrade for all of the pass-catching options. At running back, uh, rookie Ty Johnson suffered a concussion in this game, and so that kind of left J.D. McKissick as the primary option. McKissick is just 5'10 and 195 pounds, so it's kind of hard to see him as a workhorse type of back, but he did play 70% of the offensive snaps in this game compared to just 18% for Paul Perkins, and McKissick had 10 carries for 36 yards and 6 catches for 19 yards on 7 targets. So again, teasing potential very uh, high PPR value if Johnson misses time with that concussion. That said, I really wouldn't be surprised if the Lions made an addition with the free agent signing. They actually worked out Jay Ajayi two weeks ago after the Trey Carson injury that landed him on injured reserve. Also, the Bears released Mike Davis last week. So those would be some potential options. I would keep your eyes on the news. But if McKissick ends up being the the sort of the only main guy here for the Lions for a week or so, then he could be potentially a running back two for you for a week or so. Uh, For the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, nice day here. 16 of 23 for 173, so not a ton of yardage, but three touchdowns and no interceptions. I read this entirely as a matchups-related thing. He was playing at home against the Lions, uh, and that actually gave Trubisky the fifth best matchup boost of the position last week, according to the work I do on Thursdays. Uh, That matchup jumped him from 19th to 9th in my true talent rankings of the just 26 starters. So I don't think this is necessarily an indication that Trubisky is going to turn things around. He just had a matchup that boosted passing attempts and passing touchdowns, and he'll fall back to earth. Not really much of a fantasy story here, but uh, I'll note that backup tight end Adam Shaheen was a healthy scratch in this game. It seems like he is kind of losing his job, I guess, such that he even had one for, for the Bears. And that leaves Ben Bronicker as now the second tight end on the team. He had one catch for 18 yards and a touchdown on the target. Uh, but really, none of those tight ends are doing too well in fantasy. And, and frankly, only really Allen Robinson is a valuable option among the pass catchers for the Bears right now. Next up, we have the Bills at Browns. Devin Singletary continued his run as the lead back here for the Bills, playing 67% of the offensive snaps versus just 33% for Frank Gore. Uh, Singletary didn't do a lot, but he had eight carries for 42 yards and three catches for eight yards on seven targets. And it's really that target volume that can maybe boost Singletary to being a running back two over the second half of the season, in particular in PPR formats. Although that said, Singletary did have two carries within five yards of the end zone the last couple of weeks. That's fewer than Frank Gore's four carries, but it is suggesting that Singletary could score some touchdowns, something he hasn't done a lot of this season when he's been playing. Otherwise, for the Bills, not a lot here to say. uh, Dawson Knox had four catches for 55 yards on six targets, but he played just 58% of the offensive snaps. That's pretty much in line with what it had been earlier in the season, so I think Knox is probably still more of a borderline tight end two versus tight end three. And then Baker Mayfield, uh, he had 26 of 38 uh, passing for 238 yards and two touchdowns. This is actually Mayfield's first game with two or more touchdowns all season, so Kind of a shocking stat there, and I think suggests that if you haven't already dropped Mayfield, you can go ahead and do so in fantasy. The Brown that I want to add instead is is Kareem Hunt. Hunt had four carries for 30 yards on the ground and seven catches for 45 yards on nine targets in the air, and I think he's really going to get involved here in the passing game. He did that work even while Nick Chubb had 20 carries and two other catches, and he played 54% of the offensive snaps while Chubb played 82%. Hunt was really lining up outside as a receiver on a lot of snaps. So I sort of view him the same way that I view Austin Eckler and David Johnson in fantasy right now, where he's not the primary ball carrier, but he's still going to get a lot of production, catching the ball, sometimes lined up as a receiver, especially in PPR formats, could be a wide uh, a running back two in a lot of weeks. So I think Hunt deserves to be owned even in your shallower formats right now, and definitely has more than simply a handcuff to Nick Chubb. Next up, we have Chiefs of Titans, Damian Williams. He got a lot of work in this game, 19 carries for 77 yards and 5 catches for 32 yards, while LaShawn McCoy didn't play. Now the news regarding that was that this was simply a load management decision, so kind of NBA bleeding into the NFL here, where they just wanted to keep McCoy fresh. Although keep in mind that McCoy was getting less of a workload the previous two weeks following a week 8 fumble that kind of swung that Chiefs game and sort of handed them the loss there. So Williams, for the time being, maybe is back to being the team's lead back, but man, this this yo-yo is back and forth a ton, so I don't have a ton of confidence telling you that's the way it's going to be the rest of the season, but Damian Williams definitely still deserves to be owned here. Uh, For the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, only 19 passing attempts, 13 completions for 181 yards, but two touchdowns here. Uh, this is just kind of a game script thing where the, they handed the ball off to Derrick Henry 23 times, trying to take advantage of a matchup against the Chiefs' bad run defense. But Tannehill has actually averaged 2.0 passing touchdowns per game in his four starts since taking over for Marcus Mariota, and has a very nice 15.9% DVOA so far this season. So I think Tannehill's going to be an option for you in your deeper formats the rest of the season, although keep in mind that the Titans are going to be on bye in Week 11. John O. Smith had 4 for 30 on 6 targets. That actually led the team by 2. Unfortunately, Anthony Ferkser scored the touchdown here, so Smith didn't actually provide a lot of value for his fantasy owners. Meanwhile, coming out of the bye, I think Delaney Walker is likely to be back and playing, and so I think at this point you can probably go ahead and drop Smith in your shallower formats, maybe hold on to him in your deeper ones in case Walker can't make it back. Uh, But Walker, over the first six weeks of of the season before his injury, had a 23.1% wide receiver and tight end target share that was ninth best at the position, and he's actually been dropped in in quite a few leagues. He's available in more than 50% of leagues, pretty much across different uh, fantasy platforms. So you may want to pick him up preemptively now if you need help at tight end. You know, if you ended up losing Austin Hooper or George Kittle, uh, Kittle may not be a long term out, but you still may need Walker in your shallower formats, and I think he'll probably be a top 10 option over the second half of the season. Next up, Ravens at Bengals. Uh, Marquise Brown here, wide receiver, four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown on four targets. Not a lot of volume, but that led the team's wide receivers and targets. And there's a little bit of a matchups thing here where against a team like the Bengals, the Ravens could really run the ball effectively and kind of run to kill clock. But Brown is obviously the number one wide receiver on the team, and I think he's going to be productive the rest of the season, so you should pick him up. Mark Andrews, six for 53 and two touchdowns on eight targets. That led the team by four, and Andrews continues to be a top five tight end. For the Bengals, rookie Ryan Finley was making his first start. He didn't do great, 16 of 30 for 167 yards and a touchdown and interception. He did show surprising for me mobility, five carries for 22 yards, but I can't imagine Finley's going to be a startable option for you in fantasy even in their deeper form match the rest of the season, and he'll probably make it harder on guys like Auden Tate to provide fantasy value. Speaking of, Alex Erickson, after having a handful of decent games, No catches on just two targets this week. He actually only played 51% of the team's offensive snaps, while rookie Stanley Morgan jumped up to a same 51%. So, in your deeper formats, very deep formats at least, Morgan may be somebody you want to look at. He had one catch for nine yards on four targets, Uh, but he's an undrafted free agent rookie receiver, so he could be someone that trends up. He's six foot and 205 pounds. And he was a much stronger route runner in college. Um, quick, he's basically quick, but not fast or strong. He had a nice 4.13 second short shuttle time. So I could see him over the years developing into sort of a best case scenario of an Emmanuel Sanders type of receiver. I don't really expect him to have any fantasy value in the short term. But if you're in a dynasty format, maybe looking for a guy that is sort of a lottery pick type of player, Morgan may be an option for you there. And then sadly, A.J. Green suffered a setback um, after being expected to play in Week 10. At this point, he still listed his day-to-day, so he could return in Week 11. And given that sort of time frame, I'm still holding Linda Green in all of my shallow formats, but definitely not an encouraging sign for a player that's just taking a lot longer to return from his injury than originally expected. Next up, we have the Falcons at Saints. Um Brian Hill ended up getting a lot of work in this game after Devontae Freeman left injured, 20 carries for 61 yards and one catch for 10 yards and a touchdown on two targets. He ended up playing 51% of the team's offensive snaps versus just 13% for Kenyon Barner. So if Freeman ends up missing time, and I think he probably will miss a week or two with a sprained foot, then I think Hill is probably going to be the guy. He actually has a a neutral negative 0.3% rushing DVOA this season that's better than Freeman's negative 13.4%, so he can probably handle the job pretty well. Although if you're looking for maybe a deeper league play, just a sort of a stash and see type of guy, rookie Quadri Olson may end up getting some, some run uh, if Freeman is, is listed as inactive. And Olison is a pretty big back, so if he ended up getting extended workload, he would probably score some touchdowns. Maybe a guy for you in your deeper formats. Austin Hooper also got hurt for the Falcons in this game. He sprained his MCL. He's already been ruled out for Week 11 uh, in that game against the Panthers, and I think he's likely to miss two or more weeks. Um, check out the the injury article that Andrew Potter wrote on footballoutsiders.com for some extra information about how long those type of injuries last. But I think Cooper's going to be out for a little bit. I'm not dropping him in my shallow formats because I think he'll be back for the fantasy playoffs. But, um, you know, if you're in a desperate mode, then it may be a, a, something you can you can think about doing if he's going to miss several weeks. The player that I think is probably going to benefit from most from that injury is slot receiver Russell Gage. He had a modest day with just four catches and 23 yards on five targets. But again, the game script kind of unexpectedly shifted the Falcons workload toward the run. And so Gage's five targets were tied with Calvin Ridley for second most on the team. Gage played 62% of the offensive snaps. So kind of right in that range where Muhammad Sanu was um, back when he was with the team. So I think that's basically what Gage's sort of true talent type of role is. But he'll probably see a, some more extra targets with Hooper likely missing multiple weeks. I expect him really to get a bigger target boost than even Luke Stocker. He was the tight end that'll probably play in Hooper's stead, but probably isn't somebody that's going to have much fantasy value. For the Saints, uh, Latavius Murray got a little bit of a workload here, five carries and two catches, but Alvin Kamara played 78% of the team's offensive snaps, which is just 25% for Murray. So I think Murray kind of headed back to being just a handcuff exclusively in fantasy, no real value on his own. And then second-year receiver Traquan Smith finally made it back on the field, had just one catch for 13 yards and actually got speared, and his helmet knocked off and was bleeding. Uh, So he's just constantly having bad luck with his injuries, but did look much healthier from the ankle injury that knocked him out for most of the start of the season. He was able to play 83% of the team's offensive snaps. The Saints are, are desperate for another receiver on the outside to help take some pressure off Michael Thomas, who's getting just an unbelievable amount of the team's target share. So I think Smith, in your deeper formats, may be somebody worth picking up. He isn't somebody that anyone's excited about at this point because he's missed so much time, but he is a day two NFL draft pick from last year, and this year could have had a breakout if it weren't for this injury potentially. So it's, I think it's worth picking him up for a few weeks to see if he gets integrated more heavily into the offense. Next up, we have the Giants at Jets. Daniel Jones, great day here, 26 of 40 passing for 308 yards and four touchdowns. Um, the major beneficiary there was Darius Slayton, who had 10 catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. He also led the team with 14 targets and played 93% of the team's offensive snaps versus just 76% for Benny Fowler. This really isn't that different than where he had been over the previous six or so weeks. Ever since Sterling Shepard went down with his uh, concussion, Slayton has had a 22.6% wide receiver and tight end target share. That's second most on the team, although just 36th best at the position. And I would say 36th best is kind of what you can expect from Slayton over the rest of the season. It looks like Shepard may end up landing on injured reserve with his continued concussion symptoms. So that's a little sad to see. But Slayton isn't getting 10 tar- or 14 targets a game like he got in this game. He's more of sort of a, a wide receiver three kind of volume although he does have 4 end in-zone targets since he entered the lineup, which is three more than any other Giants wide receiver or tight end. I think Slayton's a good player, so he deserves to be owned even in your shallow formats and has a lot of value in your dynasty and keeper formats, but I would maybe consider trading him right now if somebody's considering him a wide receiver too because he's coming off that great game. Golden Tate is probably more of a wide receiver too, especially in your PPR formats. Not quite as good a day here as Slayton, but still four catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets. Since he came back, he has a 30.1% wide receiver and tight end target share. That's actually 17th best at the position, so getting substantially more work on average than Slayton. And then I'll also mention here that Saquon Barkley ended up getting banged up in this game, and it was seen entering the x-ray room with the team, but reports are saying that he's fine and shouldn't miss any time, and I'm not too worried about what was just a, a very weird and bad day for him in fantasy. Meanwhile, the Giants are actually on bye in Week 11, so that'll also give... Barkley and the, and the other guys a little bit more time to recover. Uh, for the Jets, Demarius Thomas, six catches for 84 yards, had nine targets, which led the team. Robbie Anderson, just one catch for 11 yards on three targets. Since uh, joining the team back in week five, Thomas has had a 22, uh, 28.2% wide receiver and tight end target share that's twentieth at the position, while Anderson has had just 22.5%. So in their deeper formats, I would say Thomas is definitely somebody worth owning, and you can start him pretty comfortably Whereas Anderson, you can probably go ahead and drop in most of your formats right now. And then Chris Herndon, guy, just never really could make it work. He finally got on the field in Week 10 for the first time all season and then promptly broke his rib. So his season is likely over. And I think that leaves Ryan Griffin as not nearly as talented as Herndon and so not a top 10 kind of uh, potential here. But Griffin could be a back-end tight end, too, in his better weeks the rest of the season, he had 10 catches and 116 yards and two touchdowns in his previous two games before Hernan started this week. So maybe an option for you in your deeper formats. Next up, we have the Cardinals at Buccaneers. Kenyon Drake, 10 carries for 35 yards and six catches for six yards on seven targets. Got a little bit more work here than David Johnson, just five carries and two for two yards and one catch for eight yards on one target. Drake also played 64% of the team's offensive snaps versus just 43% for, for Johnson. What Cliff Kingsbury said was that he he sort of benched Johnson in the third quarter after a fumble and he was just trying to ride the hot hand with Drake. So this wasn't a situation where Johnson was still slow because of the injury. But that also indicates that this could maybe become a very really frustrating kind of backfield split. I'm thinking maybe it's going to end up being like the Chiefs, where you really don't know who you want to start week in and week out. I think the more optimistic view of things is that this is more like the Chargers, where Drake would be playing more of the Melvin Gordon type of role where he's carrying the ball more frequently whereas Johnson is maybe lining up as a receiver more often and getting more work as a receiver. And so in that better-case scenario, I think both players continue to have value, and so you, just, you need to keep owning both of them to sort of see how this plays out. But this may be a situation where it's hard to play either player in the short term, and I'm probably not going to want to start Johnson in fantasy next week except in your deeper formats. The big fantasy perform, uh, performer of the day for the Cardinals was Christian Kirk. Six catches for 138 yards and three touchdowns on 10 targets. Before you get too carried away and spend all your fad money on Kirk, I would say that this Buccaneers matchup was a very attractive one for him in fantasy. The Bucs increased pass plays by 20%, and they increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 39%, and they're particularly weak against outside receivers. They're bottom 10 in DVOA against number one and number two outside receivers, and much better against other receivers like Larry Fitzgerald on the slot there. So this is probably a situation where the matchup was um, had a lot to do with his good performance. It boosted him from thirty-first in my true talent rankings to twentieth last week, and I would say that thirty-first is probably kind of how I see him going forward. That does deserve to be owned in your in your shallower formats, but he's more of a flex play, and he may also be a guy that's worth trading away uh, in in your shallower formats if his if his value is kind of riding high right now. And meanwhile, I could also see Andy Isabella getting a little bit more time. He got on the field for 37% of the offensive snaps this week, which was a new career high for the rookie. That's still less than Keyshawn Johnson's 53%, but it's more than Farrow Cooper's 29%. Meanwhile, Isabella continued to produce with three catches and 78 yards on just three targets. He's up to, I think, 176 yards on just six targets so far this season, in which produces a 132.6% DVOA. That's obviously not sustainable, but Neither Johnson nor Cooper has a positive or even neutral DVOA this season, so Isabella could be seeing his workload increase. As a second-round rookie pick this year, I think he has a lot of talent and may end up being the second receiver for this team over the second half of the season. For the Buccaneers, Ronald Jones, 11 carries, 29 yards, and a touchdown, and a surprising eight catches for 77 yards on eight targets. So while Barber got 11 carries himself, he was a lot less involved in the passing game and Jones outsnapped him 20, uh, 47% to 26%. So I think you can pretty safely consider Jones to be the, the running back one for the rest of the season for the Buccaneers right now. He deserves to be owned in your deeper formats, but he, or in your shallower formats, but he's probably more of a running back three or flex consideration over the rest of the season. Still not getting a, a workhorse type of workload right now for the Buccaneers. Uh, O.J. Howard had his best game of the season here too, four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. That's two more targets than he'd had in a game all season, and it's actually his first touchdown of the season, believe it or not. Um, I mean, I think Howard's a talented player. He's he's still at 6.8% DVOA this season, so very nice, but he's just not really involved the way that you would want him to be, and I think the reason he was heavily involved this week was because of the matchup. He was facing a Cardinals team that's number 32 in DVOA against tight ends this year. It's allowing 8.2 targets and 91 yards per game to the position. That's the most of the position, so... I don't necessarily expect this to continue with Howard, and while you can pick him up if you need help with guys like Hooper and Kittle going down, this may also be an opportunity to trade him, because I'm not sure he's going to be a clear start for you in your shallower formats. In your deeper formats, you may want to take a look at Scotty Miller, the slot receiver. He had two catches for 33 yards on three targets, so not a ton here, but um, played a little bit more, 13% of the offensive snaps. I could see him getting worked in a little bit more over the second half of the season. As a slot receiver with the talented options they have on the outside, seems like he could maybe make that work in that workload. Uh, and it may be a situation where if Bruce Arians just isn't a guy that likes to rely on the tight ends, perhaps Miller can end up having an impact as a third receiver, kind of the way that Adam Humphreys did for this team in previous seasons. Next up, we have the Dolphins at Colts, Kalen Bellage. Uh He would play the workhorse role here, 20 carries for 43 yards and four catches for two yards, playing 82% of the offensive snaps, while Patrick Laird and, and uh, Miles Gaskin, two rookies, barely played in this game, 12% and 8% of the offensive snaps, respectively. So I think you can sort of treat Balaj as an every down type of back for the time being. It's going to be three more games before Mark Walton can return from his suspension. But one thing with Bellagio to note is that he still has not performed very well this season. Negative 38.2% DVE on the season. He had negative 86.6% this game. So I wouldn't feel confident in Bellagio in the long term, but if you just want to talk about a week or two, you can probably plug and play him pretty safely. Uh, it tight end, Mike Gesicki. Three catches for 28 yards, so not a ton of fantasy production there, but six targets. That was the second most on the team. He actually has six targets in back-to-back games following Preston Williams' injury. So right now, I think Gasicki is probably the number two outside receiving option for the team, which has a little bit more value with Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick playing as well as he's playing. And for the Colts, Eric Ebron had the closest thing to a big game here, five for 56 on 12 targets. That led the team by five, uh, but he didn't get that much more um, playing time than Jack Doyle, 61% versus 60%. And I think most of this was really just about a team that was lacking options at receiver. T.Y. Hilton may make it back for week 11, and I think Devin Funches is going to come back off of injured reserve in week 11. So they'll have a lot more options to work with, and I think that'll probably shove Ebron back down to being more of a tight end too for you next week and for the rest of the season. The wide receiver that got the most uh, increased playing time here was Marcus Johnson. He just had one catch for nine yards, but played 80% of the offensive snaps much more than Chester Rogers at 50% the slot receiver. So, I mean, if if a lot of these guys end up missing more time, then maybe Johnson could be an option for you in your deeper leagues. But I would say probably avoid him because, again, I think Hilton and possibly also Fungus may be back this week. Next up, we have the Rams at Steelers. Malcolm Brown came back for this game. So this is the first game in a while that we had all three of the of the Rams running backs playing together. And I think that unfortunately sabotages both Brown and Henderson's value. Brown had just five carries for 10 yards, Henderson just four carries for four yards. Neither player was targeted. Brown played 16% of the offensive snaps, Henderson played 10%. So this is really pretty much Todd Gurley in fantasy and then nothing else. You can go ahead and drop Brown and Henderson in your shallower formats. Robert Woods did finally have a nice day here, though. Seven catches for 95 yards on 11 targets. No other wide receiver had more than five targets. And I would say that this is about mostly about Brandon Cooks' injury, but I really don't believe that's true. I think this is really mostly about Cooper Cup going untargeted, which frankly is a huge puzzle to me. Um, Mike Hilton was on him in shadow coverage. Hilton has a decent 57% coverage success rate entering the week, but this is not like a Tredavious White situation, especially with Cup playing out of the slot. The Steelers were actually number 32 in DVOA against other receivers entering this week. They were much more effective at shutting guys down on the outside and against the run, so... I honestly can't really explain this. It's it's just been a really weird year all around for the Rams. And while I think this is going to probably take a hit for Cup in my rankings for this week and for the rest of the season, I still think Cup is clearly the number one option for you in fantasy in that passing game. Though that said, Gerald Everett, uh, twelve more targets, eight catches for sixty-eight yards, continues to be pretty heavily involved. He has a twenty-two point three percent wide receiver and tight end target share since week four. That's the eighth best at the position. So he's actually probably going to be your number one tight end pickup option. If you need to replace Kittle or uh, Austin Hooper with those injuries, for the Steelers, rookie running back Tony Brooks James got some work here that I didn't really expect. Six carries for 11 yards. That was actually more than the presumed early down back Trey Edmonds got, just four carries for one yard. But Brooks James played just 14% of the offensive snaps versus 28% for Edmonds. Both of them well behind Jalen Samuels at 55%. And Brooks James is just five foot nine and 179 pounds, so I think he's probably more of a Specialized player that's not going to contribute enough to be to matter in fantasy, and really probably none of this matters in fantasy because I'm pretty sure James Conner is going to return to play this Thursday against the Browns. Even though Benny Snell is probably going to miss more time, I think that relegates both Brooks James and Edmonds to to being droppable even in their deeper formats. Next up, we have the Panthers at Packers. Uh, the Panthers again pretty standard in fantasy here. Not much to, to update for you, but DJ Moore nine more catches for 120 yards on 11 targets, which led the team. He's got a 32.6% wide receiver and tight end target share for the season. That's ninth best at the position. So I think he's clearly the number one guy here, although Samuel also still getting a lot of work, 28.1% of the team's wide receiver and tight end target shares. It's probably a situation where neither of them is going to be quite as as productive in fantasy as that would appear while playing a rookie Kyle Allen. But I have a lot of optimism for these guys going forward, uh, in particular in future seasons. Uh, For the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, just 17 for 29, passing for 233 yards, no touchdowns. This ended up being a game script that supported the the Packers running the ball, and obviously it was a great matchup for them to do that. The Panthers had the number 32 DVOA run defense entering the game, and they ran 26 running back carries in total versus just 29 pass attempts. So that kind of tampered a, a, a little bit of Rodgers fantasy production and gave a lot more of the workload to Aaron Jones. Uh, but at receiver, Alan Lazard continues to be the second receiver that I'm most interested in. He had just three catches for 27 yards this week, but six targets led the team apart from Devontae Adams, the obvious number one guy. Uh, Lazard played 44% of the offensive snaps, which was more than Jake Cumuro and more than Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Marcus Valdez-Scantling in particular is droppable, and I think probably Geronimo Allison is as well. Lazard has three catches in five straight games, and with the Packers entering a bye in Week 11, I think that Lazard may end up having a little bit more playing time when he comes out of the bye. He's clearly the the number two choice for Rodgers, at least in terms of target share right now. Next up, we have the Vikings at Cowboys. Uh, Not much to update here. The major piece of news would would be related to Adam Thielen, and right now it's unclear if he's going to return for week 11 for a hamstring injury. If he misses more time, then BC Johnson becomes sort of an emergency option for you. Although really, uh, Cousins is relying more on on his, his tight ends with Thielen absent than anyone else. And then the Monday night game, Seahawks at 49ers, Chris Carson had another fumble here. That's a sixth of the season. And while I was previously recommending Rashad Penny as a pickup, as a guy that maybe might end up playing if Carson continued to put the ball on the ground, Penny dropped the ball and lost a fumble on one of his just two carries this week and then got benched for it. So honestly, I would say Penny's in, in a bigger doghouse than Carson right now. At least Carson has a 3.8% DVOA for the season. It's been an effective runner when he's held onto the ball you can go ahead and drop Penny in your shallower formats unless you're just holding him as as sort of an injury-related handcuff to Chris Carson. DK Metcalf ended up playing number one receiver for the Seahawks in this game, six catches for 70 yards on 10 targets, playing 97% of the offensive snaps. Uh, Tyler Lockett got hurt in this game, and it sounds kind of minor with a leg contusion, but it actually ended up sending him to the hospital because of swelling. So there's a little bit of concern there with Lockett, one of the premier fantasy receivers, in the game, but since the Seahawks are on bye in week 11, I'm going to assume that this is something that's probably not going to leave him out long term, but if you want to make a play forward in fantasy, you can go ahead and pick up Josh Gordon, even in your shallower leagues. He played 38% of the team's offensive snaps in his first game, and the bye should give him extra time to integrate with the team. Could end up being the number two choice for the team if Lockett misses time, and then a tight end, Jacob Hollister, another touchdown, and a, a surprising eight catches for 62 yards on 10 targets playing that 49ers defense that's, that was number one in DVOA against tight ends entering the week. He has a real stranglehold on this job at this point, 78% of the offensive snaps this week versus just 19% for Luke Wilson. Hollister probably actually has shallower league fantasy value at this point, but in deeper leagues, you definitely want to pick him up. He's still available in more than 90% of leagues. Uh, and then for the 49ers, another injury-related thing here, Manuel Sanders suffered a rib injury and could miss some time. With him out in this game, Debo Samuel ended up reasserting himself as the team's number one receiver. Eight catches for 112 yards on 11 targets, which led the team. He played 83% of the offensive snaps. Uh, So Samuel will probably be the number one receiving option, at least among the wide receivers. Uh, Sanders misses time, although Kittle will continue to be the number one option for the team in general as soon as he gets back. He missed this game, though, and he's uncertain for Week 11 right now. And Ross Dwelly played pretty well in his stead, three catches for 24 yards on seven targets and played, I think, 91% of the team's offensive snaps. He's a plug and play tight end option for you if Kittle misses more time. And then before I close, I'll mention the six bye week teams. You had the Broncos, Uh, major news here. Drew Locke expected to start practicing this week, coming off the thumb injury that left him on injured reserve. I think with the lack of practice for an inexperienced player like him, they're not gonna wanna start him right away, but they have three weeks to activate him off of injured reserve. Um, or else he'll end up on injury reserve for the rest of the season. So I would look for that to probably happen, for Locke to maybe start a, a couple of weeks at the end of the season. Noah Fant, uh, prior to the bye, had 115 yards and a touchdown on four targets, that four being the second most on the team behind Cortland Sutton. I think without Sanders, Fant is the number two pass-catching option on the team, although with guys like Brandon Allen and potentially um, Locke starting at quarterback, that may not have a ton of value, probably more of a deeper league option. For the Patriots, uh, Rex Burkhead, he split a workload with Sony Michelle in week nine. I think that was probably mostly about a game script with the team trailing uh, the, the, the Ravens pretty heavily in that game. But I'll mention that Burkhead has a 22.4% rushing DVA on the season versus negative 9.2% for Michelle. So I wouldn't be stunned if Burkhead ended up emerging as the primary early down back for this team over the second half of the season. I think you should pick him up in your deeper formats just in case that's the case. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, I think, established himself as the number two option for the team with 10 catches and 81 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets in Week 9. He played 100% of the offensive snaps, but Philip Dorsett still played 99% of the snaps as the number three receiver, and I think he'll have fantasy value the rest of the season too, unless rookie Nikhil Harry ends up getting more involved. He was eligible to be activated in Week 9 for that Ravens game, but they left him inactive. It'll be interesting to see if coming off the bye, he gets integrated a little bit into this offense. I would own both Dorsett and Harry in the meantime just to see how that plays out because I think one of the two could add value for the rest of the season. For the Eagles, uh, Deshaun Jackson now on his reserve. I think that means you can finally rely safely on Nelson Aguilar for the rest of the season. He played 89% of the team's offensive snaps in week nine. And he actually has 22.6% wide receiver and tight end target share that is the most among the team's receivers ahead of even Alshon Jeffrey since week one when Jackson suffered that uh, initial injury. So Nelson Aguilar may be a guy you can rely on in deeper formats. Uh, for the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins was named the starter for the rest of the season. Not a guy that you're going to want to rely on in fantasy. But I'll note that for Terry McLaurin, his number one receiver, he's had much better performances so far this season with Case Keenum at quarterback. With Keenum, he's averaging 4.2 catches for 73.6 yards and a touchdown per game with a 64% catch rate. Without Keenum, which is mostly Haskins, he's averaging just 3.7 for 43 yards and hasn't scored yet this season, catching just 58% of his passes. So McLaurin may be a player worth trading away in the short term, although obviously in your keeper and dynasty formats, he is one of the most valuable receiver assets in the game. Meanwhile, also for the Redskins, Darius Geis. He's expected to be active for Week 11, um, coming off of injured reserve. Uh, Right now, Bill Callahan says that he's going to plan to activate both Geis and Adrian Peterson. So it's unclear how this workload is going to shake out. I'm probably going to try to avoid starting either player in the short term, although I think Geis deserves to be owned in every format to see if he ends up becoming the, the lead back here. And if so, he would probably be a running back, too, over the rest of the season. For the Jaguars, Nick Foles also coming back from injured reserve. He's going to start in Week 11. Uh, I think that he's probably worth adding in your deeper formats. And there was some suggestion in the preseason that he and D.D. Westbrook had a nice connection. Uh, Westbrook is coming back from his neck and shoulder injury, should be fine in Week 11 as well. So that may be a player that has some surprising value, although I still think D.J. Chark is the number one receiver to own uh, for the Jaguars the rest of the way. And then finally, with the Texans, Will Fuller, he returned to practice on Monday coming off the Texans bye, Uh, so I think he'll probably be back in the lineup in Week 11. And then Jordan Thomas, uh, the tight end, he landed on injured reserve with a rib injury before the season started. He's eligible to return from injured reserve, so he may make it onto the field as well. Of the two, Fuller is the one that actually has some fantasy value. Um, I think he'll probably be a wide receiver three more or less the rest of the season, but sort of a high-ceiling, low-floor type of play that may be best deployed as a matchups player. Okay, that's going to do it for this Tuesday's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and now Stitcher. So please subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. And come back in two days to hear my thoughts on the best and worst matchups for Week 11. Thank you, and I will talk to you then. That's right.